What's going on, guys? Michael here, Energy 360 Network by Intercom. Excited to be bringing you this interview with President and COO of Goodrich Petroleum, Rod Turnham. This was a powerhouse interview. Stuart Turley, who's the director and publisher of Oil and Gas 360.com, sat down with Rod. We really talked about a variety of things from ESG to their hedging strategy, what their outlook looks like specifically because they're in a lot of natural gas stuff, and, and, and what he feels like the futures for Goodrich. It's an awesome interview. I don't even want to waste any time. I'm going to turn it over to Stuart and get this thing kicked off. today. We're so glad to be visiting with Rob Turnham, the President and Chief Operating Officer of Goodrich Petroleum. Thank you for stopping by today. Thank you, Stu. Glad to be here. Hey, well, thanks. I'll tell you, uh, this is, you know, we've used the word unprecedented. We're all going to have some really tough times, but um, it is a lot of things that we've been seeing uh, in this industry is that pure play uh, natural gas folks seem to have a little bit of an advantage and Goodrich Petroleum seems to be in that uh, path in the Haynesville. So you just also had your uh, March 16th, you announced that you had reduced your CapEx by 15 million to 40 to 50 million, somewhere in that range. So free cash flow at $2 uh, to two fifty. Could you tell us a little bit about how you did in Q1 and how things are going along right now? Yeah, sure. So, Stu, we uh, we have a pretty good hedge book, first of all, uh, with about 50% of our gas hedged at a minimum price of 260. So that gives us some some flexibility to establish a budget um, and do what you just described: uh, generate free cash flow at a minimum two dollar gas. Uh, price, uh, reduce our CapEx such that, um, you know, we're going to spend about half of what we spent last year. So we've cut the budget a good bit, yeah. um, but um, but allow us to generate free cash flow, keep our balance sheet in good shape. We're at about 1.3 turns on debt to EBITDA and position the company to basically maintain production levels such that by the end of this year, going into 2021, we'll be well positioned to uh, uh, start growing again uh, sequentially uh, as we spend more money into a better price environment. You know, uh, some of our other uh, experts that we've had on, like Enverus and a few others, they're saying that the gas prices could really exceed up into the 3 and $4 once demand comes back in into the fall. What are you feeling there? Are you feeling? Yeah, that? and you know we've been public 25 years, and we've seen so many cycles, and have got had the question asked, you know, where do you think prices are going to go? And we do our best to study it, analyze it, and come up with an opinion. But at the end of the day, none of us really know. In this case, it's really so demand driven, uh, and we need to get through the vi the virus get to the other side with at least a therapeutic drug, such that people are really comfortable and we can get close, if not all the way back on the demand side. If we do that, uh, we know the supply is falling, has already fallen, gonna likely continue to fall, such that we really are gonna be short natural gas, uh, again, I'm assuming demand uh, returns where we think it will be. And under that scenario, we do think you'll see $3 or potentially more uh, per MCF, but there is risk, the risk is that the demand doesn't come all the way back. 
uh, and there's risk that oil prices rise such to a point where people start spending more money and then the associated gas starts to, uh, to increase again. We don't think that's going to happen, but again, um, you know, no way of knowing for sure. If we were asked to kind of place a bet, we would say oil prices probably range bound 35 to 45. And under that scenario, we don't see the associated gas ramping back up dramatically. So really, you know, setting ourselves up for a nice 2021. And Stu, I'll tell you, um, we've never seen such rapid reduction in service costs like we've mm. seen with the rig count dropping below 300, frack spreads, probably are 85% less than they were at the peak. And therefore, if guys want to keep their iron working, they're going to have to bid very, very cheaply. And that's what we're seeing. So our margins have never quite been this good, even when gas prices were 9 10 12 $13 in MCF, because the wells are much more productive. The costs are much lower. In our margins, even at 250 gas or north of 100 percent, so it's pretty quite remarkable uh, when you when you look at that combination of more productivity and lower service costs. Um, you, with uh, all the takeaway that is being improved with the third train coming online down in the south in in Texas, and you take a look at the world demand for LNG. How do you see that helping uh, Goodrich and with the ability for exports to continue to increase? How much do you see that export capability uh, really being able to affect your bottom line? Well, you know, to get to better pricing in 2021, we really need to work our way through 2020. There's clearly uh, excess supply worldwide on LNG. <laughs> That's why the concerns that the storage in Europe and Asia for LNG is, is filling, and, and that's kept a lid on the prompt month gas prices and, and LNG prices. Uh, so I think once we work through that, again, as demand continues to grow, being close to the LNG export markets on the Gulf Coast, uh, there's a real uh, demand pull there, not just LNG exports, but manufacturing, petrochemical, plants all situating on the Gulf Coast is really a benefit to the Haynesville uh, and we'll, we we expect to see you know better and better prices as, as again as the demand uh, comes back so feel very good about our leverage to an improving gas market but we got to work our way through uh, this temporary oversupply driven really from from demand destruction from the pandemic you know, uh, we had just talked about your hedging. Uh, as you come into your hedging for next year, it's going to be pretty crazy to see how all that rolls around on your next hedging. Uh, we've talked to a bunch of folks, and they have no idea how it's going to turn out for next year's hedging. Um, well, that's right. I mean, you know, everyone tends to look 12 months ahead, 18 months ahead. The curve is, is pretty flattish. Uh, it's actually backwardated from 2022 forward. Uh, so, you know, you're seeing higher prices in 21, lower prices in 22, 23, 24. So typically that, uh, that would keep companies from hedging too much exposure in the out years just because it's backwardated relative to your more near-term pricing. Um, but you got to be careful there as well, you know, because you, um, you know, the market could be right or closer to being right, 
and therefore uh, you think prices have to automatically go higher, but you know we've seen that before where they actually can go the other direction. So I think you'll always see us manage our balance sheet, protect our capex uh, with a sufficient amount of hedging, and we kind of like 50% um, of our projected volumes hedged over 12 to 18 months. So we'll see where we get to, um, you know, as we get, you know, later this year, early next year, uh, and look at the out years on, on hedging. But I don't think you'll see us lock in too much if the strip is is right, as we see it right here for the 2022 forward. That being said, the strip's rarely right. <laughs> so you always have to be a little uh, careful, you know, as to as to giving yourself some protection. Now, a lot of smart companies, smart guys out there predicting just like you described, you know, north of $3 gas. Uh, hopefully that is the case and, and we're going to be well positioned if that, if that does materialize. Um, you know, with your uh, lowering costs uh, of your CapEx, which your, your last report was very, very detailed on, on lowering your costs. Um, you know, as we talk to all of our other CEOs and other experts, ESG seems to be on everybody's mind. Um, and we're talking to experts, you know, you can see my little sign says, I love fossil fuels. You know, I'm big on natural gas being the, uh, you know, the, the one for uh, least amount of impact on the environment as well as being the best out there. What are you seeing in ESG and are your investors asking for ESG? Because we're also seeing ESG being tied to capital. Well, so, true. Uh, yeah, are you we feel it important. You know, we see that it's uh, important. In fact, we, you know, we open up our slide deck with an ESG slide uh, addressing uh, a number of things, including flaring. We don't flare at all. I mean, we basically have rounded you know to zero percent of our production uh, that, that's flaring that's the least that our industry can do and we in fact if the industry can be criticized at all it's it's not touting the benefits versus the cost to people and the environment and when you really start looking at what higher use of fossil fuels has done to lift people in the world standard of living, just necessities, being able to cook, heat their, heat their homes, et cetera, versus the cost, then I think, you know, we need to kind of get the, get the investment community as well as the rest of the world focused on what those alternatives are, what you're going to have to sacrifice. One of the things you're going to have to sacrifice is you have to be willing to pay a lot more for your energy if we, go anti-fossil fuels. So I think we can do a better job of minimizing our footprint, uh, eliminating uh, flaring is a, is a given to me, um, and then talk about the benefits, uh, but be very transparent with all of our ESG. Governance is very important. Uh, we have an independent board that's uh, extremely focused on, on the governance side of that. Um, so yeah, it's, I think it's always, it's going to be here and why not? Why wouldn't it be here? Uh, we just need to do a better job of conveying as an industry, why fossil fuels are so important. They're reliable, they're cheap, and they allow you to move around. Uh, you eliminate all of that, you know, our, our way of living is going to change dramatically 
And we don't think you have to. We just think we have to tell the story a little bit better and be a sound citizen here and minimize our footprint. Do you feel that uh, the Trump administration has been helpful in any way with reducing any regulations? Uh, you can see my little friend here trying to get on my lap. Um, have you felt like the Trump administration has been beneficial for uh, any regulation unstopping that you felt or any, has that helped you at all? I guess is a good way to say that. Well, we're, you know, we're grateful for any relief on regulation. Uh, again, we need to be prudent with what we do. Um, there's still concerns on the horizon. If a new administration comes in and for example, you know, starts to try to eliminate the ability to frack wells. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric out there about that. Mm -hmm. Again, our, our fault for not uh, delivering the message in a clear and consistent way, people need to understand that one, fracking doesn't cause earthquakes and all of that unless you're on a fault line and you shouldn't drill or frack wells on a fault line. Does it contaminate water? All those things. But if we do away with that, you, you, as a consumer, you have to be willing to pay a lot more for gasoline and natural gas and anything that you do. And it's to a magnitude of some multiple of where we currently are. So, you know, all that needs to be part of the, of the dialogue. And I'm with you, you know, natural gas will, should continue to capture more share from coal and it should be a part of the demand stack for quite some time because it is a clean burning fuel. We just need to do our best to maintain and, and keep leakage from occurring and then clearly not, not uh, flare into the environment. Um, and I was, I should have read this in your thing, but did you have to shut in any wells or when you turn down your production, do you have any uh, shut in problems going on right now? Right now, no. Uh, and of course we're 98, 99% natural gas. So, um, and, and by the way, the lifting costs associated with these new Hainesville wells is less than five cents per NCF. It's really incredibly cheap. One combination of really high volumes and then very low fixed costs. There's no fluids other than a little bit of frac fluid to haul off. And it's just, you know, a gas well you put in the pipeline and out of sight, out of mind. So, that part's been, you know, been very helpful. Now we did have some uh, oil volumes uh, shut in uh, during the month of May when prices went negative. It's just such a small piece of our total production stream that it's it's not going to be very material. You know, we we talked about uh, ESG. What, if you had any advice to any of your other CEOs in the industry? what would you give them as a word of advice to help get us through this process until we could get a, uh, of our, a, uh, um, a cure for the, the virus? Yeah. So on the ESG side, I would say transparency. Uh, let's talk about the, the, the cost and benefits of, of fossil fuels. Let's talk about governance, uh, those types of things on the, Getting through the virus, you know, that's just managing your balance sheet and ensuring that you get to the other side. And, I, and I'm confident every CEO is out there, um, uh, you know, considering all those risks and, and doing their very best, you know, to, to kind of get to the other side. Uh, we were 
uh, we had an interesting, uh, the former chairman and CEO of the New York Stock Exchange, Dick Grasso, once told us, uh, when things get bad or it looks bad, look to the other side, you know, try to get over, you know, view over the valley and try to get through it, which is good. It keeps your, you know, you're focused on the long term, but you got to get through the short term. And so um, I think everyone is keenly aware of the pitfalls or certainly the, the issues around this short term that's been primarily driven by the pandemic. But when you look at much less capital available to the industry from um, conservative banks on reserve-based lending, the lack of credit markets except the you know, higher investment grade type, um, type companies or the cost to, to, to fund uh, in the credit markets and then the fact that equity markets are basically closed, that's going to cause everyone to be more conservative with their capital to live closer to their means, hopefully generate free cash flow. And it's also bullish for commodity prices because I just don't see any company ramping back up too quickly because you got to make sure you get through the, uh, uh, through this dip in the market. Wow. Well, Rob, thank you very much for your time. Any last words of wisdom for you from Houston for us? No, I think uh, this too will pass, but you just got to, you have to make sure that you, uh, again, get through it and be conservative. And we think uh, most of the industry, unless you're already over levered to a point where there's really no return, we think uh, many of these companies or most of the companies will manage through the down cycle and 2021 should be quite a bit better. We, you know, uh, again, thank you. We are so excited for the time and we are really looking forward to you presenting at the Intercom uh, in Houston in our hybrid event. So thank you very much for participating in that. Absolutely, Stu. Thanks and enjoyed the, the conversation. Sounds great. Thank, thank you, you very much. Absolutely high-level stuff there from both Stu and Rob, and we both appreciate Rob's time. If you guys enjoyed that, you should subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your uh, podcast. It is the best place for all of your energy thought leadership. You can also check out all of the other interviews and more at the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com. Until next time, we'll see you then.